Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you to this day for a return uh, trip home. Thank you for the impact, the seeds, the opportunity, the relationships you've given us. We give you thanks for Spring of Life Fellowship, a wellspring of your presence, of your purpose, of your principles and wisdom. We pray that your word would be like a seed planted in each heart, that we would water that seed, that we would be able to cultivate it, nurture, and give forth the fruit of the ways of the Lord, that upon the earth there will be men and women who fear God, who know God, who serve God, who live for his glory. We were created to shout forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light and make us fishers of men, Make us those that are going to, to, to find the precious jewels, the precious gems, the precious instrumentalities of your kingdom that are upon the earth, lost and scattered. Bring them in, O oh God. Bring them in by the thousands that Miami might know world-changing men and women. Men and women who know their God and do great exploits and who have the inventory of the mysteries of God. And have the resource to equip and to empower and to engage men to the darkness that's upon the earth, Lord. We give you thanks. We glorify your name. And know that this seed will not return void. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, uh, a lot of people see the church as a place of ancient uh, civilization, a waste of time. A lot of people see the church as, as not a good place to be, but church was created by God in a wonderful mindset. The Bible says that here in church, we're gathering the lost, uh, a great, uh, the, the, the word gospel, uh, to send good news, um, to go out there and evangelize and, and wake up people. Hey, you, wake up. God loves you. God died for, sent his son to die for you. God wants to rescue you. So the church is gathered to, uh, created to gather men, to guide men, to guard families, to govern men, to ground men, to make sure they're rooted. God doesn't want you to be a tumbleweed. God doesn't want you just to fly by circumstance and circumspection, uh, by situation, by sentiment. God doesn't want you to waver in your life. He wants you to be grounded and flourish in fruitfulness in all the wisdom of God. And when that happens, there is no more glorious reality than to see a man come into God's purpose and design uh, a woman that understands and fears the Lord um, there's nothing more scary that we identify with on our human level as a witch a witch is horrible nobody wants to be a witch and so but a godly woman a woman who's a princess a woman who who fears God who loves God who wants God's uh, uh, you know agenda to move forward uh, who understands who she is is, is a blessing and so along these lines, we, we, I want to touch real quick Ephesians 3.10, why the church is to gather, guide, guard, govern, and ground. This is a strong place. He says those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. There's not a person upon the face of the earth that is not raised up in church that doesn't become a, a resource. I, I walked into church 30 years ago, age 16, a total rebel, a discontent, a, a rebellious, disobedient uh, hellish man 
with all my lies and all my waywardness and my twistedness and my, my cowardness. And so being raised up in the house of God, now we become a strong influence, not only to my family, not only to Miami, but to the nations of the earth. Because that which is planted in the house of God and groomed and allows God to nurture and cultivate becomes a, a source. And here it was, with the intent, this is why God put it all in place, with the intentionality that the manifold wisdom of God, every expression of the mind of God, do you imagine jumping into the, to the heart and the mind of God, the church, the full rainbow expression of the wisdom of God, not only in the pastor, in you, in your families, amongst your friends, amongst your sisters and brothers, as a nephew, as a niece. You become the, the full refreshing of God in the presence of all those that live amongst you because you're part of the church so that you make known the wisdom of God that it would be made known by the church to every level of expression and existence, principalities and powers in high places. This has to blow you up if you, if you just concentrate. Meditate on this word, the church, the one that inventories the kingdom of heaven, the one that God, he says, you know something? Uh, here's my heart. Now go to the world and give it to them. Here's my hands, my service, the, the, the Christmas boxes we're sending. There is no atheist organization that's taking Christmas boxes into the hands of little kids in Rwanda into Somalia it's the church so the expression of the church in the world if you take out the church you might as well close down all the volunteers all the orphanages all the things that are done for free uh, all these fundraising events millions upon millions of dollars raised up and sent out every time I travel I see a group of Christians going to somewhere on the planet for free not for sightseeing not because it's part of their, their, their work is not sending them. They take out their time. They take out their money. They take out their resources, their talents, and they go somewhere to bless anybody with a need. That's powerful. Nobody on the earth does that. The church is the expression of God's wisdom made known to everyone. And so understand that verse 11 says this was his eternal plan according to his eternal plan, which he began and accomplished when Jesus Christ was the first on the scene. He is the head of the church. The church is his body. The only reason we do these things, listen, nobody leaves their law career. Nobody does. But the body of Christ does because he died. He didn't die because he was going to get a reward with respect to uh, compensation. I didn't leave my law practice because I make a better living now. I, I, I am part of his body doing what he does. What do I do? I go to all the nations to tell men to come to Christ. That Christ is the head of man. And without Christ being the head, he's headless. He's a headless man. You might as well be a headless chicken. Have you seen a headless chicken? They run around. You chop off their head and they... Rah, 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 rah. That's what man is without the head of Christ. So here, that is the intention. And so uh, as the church is walking, uh, you know, uh, there is the immature expressions of the church, and then there's the full expressions. It's not yet revealed what we will be, but we're being renewed. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that as we look at Jesus, we are being transformed more and more 
we all with unveiled faces, no more darkness, um, we see in a mirror the glory of the Lord, his reflection. And so we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory through his spirit. We're getting to be more like Jesus. I'm not like Jesus yet, but I'm a little bit more. I'm a little bit more. I'm a little bit more. I talk like him. I think like him. I live like him. I, I want to be around his people. So little by little, we're turning into that image. Um, the, 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 the example we have with is people who have been married a long time. People have been married like 60, 70 years. They look like brothers and sisters. It's no longer a husband and wife. They're like, hey, come on, let's hold my hand. Let's, let's walk. They're, they almost look like each other. They talk like each other. They live. They, all this stuff, they have become one in the fulfillment of God's desire. So here it is. We have that wisdom. We've got to hurry up because it's going to get intense. You guys put your seatbelt on. We don't want any turbulence to knock you off your seat. People are going to run out of here. What is happening when there is no wisdom upon the earth? When we're dumber than a doornail and we can't have the capacity, we're, instead of showing Christ's love, our expression is selfishness. That's the opposite. Where nobody's going to take my time, they're definitely not going to take my money, and if I have talent, I'm going to exploit it for my interest. Some guy says, Joaquin, you should be the mayor of Miami. Yeah, that would be nice, but I can't live for my glory. I can't live for my possibility. I got to live for his glory. Amen. He died and died for me. So now in the life I live, I live for him. And so here it is. What happens when there's no wisdom upon the land? When, when, God was, when man was intended to show forth wisdom in everything he did, there was no excuse for foolishness. The Bible says that a little foolishness in the life of a wise man is like a fly in a perfume bottle. How many girls would like to get a roach in your next cologne, your next perfume? And you would spray it. I, the roach cologne. Roach from coach. You would not. You don't want a little foolishness in the life of a wise man because it discounts all his wisdom. You don't want them to bring you a big, a big filet mignon and to have, you know, a, a, something sitting on there, an insect sitting on your, on your uh, filet mignon. So what do we have this past week? I think it was um, they, they, they invited some Islamic Muslims inside the Washington, D.C. Christian Cathedral to pray to a foreign god. Well, a cathedral is the Christian church to pray to the Christian God. Why do we allow somebody to come in and begin to chant the name of false gods, of gods that haven't shown up in history to do anything significant for men? Uh, there's a large population of people that believe in, it would be like bringing a santero up here uh, in this Cuban tradition of witchcraft and have him slay a chicken or a dove and to do his ceremony here before his false god. It's not going to happen. So for there to, that to be taking place, for, for there to be legislation in our city that a man could go into a female bathroom and show his uh, birthday suit to society is, is, is a real serious. You would get arrested you would get charged, you would be prosecuted, convicted, and sent to prison. Not long ago. But now we're legislating that you could do what is wrong. You could do what is seriously wrong. You have breached the, uh, the line of moral conscience. 
Okay, so this is all not wisdom, severe foolishness. Instead of being light, it's darkness. And so 2 Timothy 3 says, the last days will be dangerous times. In the last days upon the earth, 2 Timothy 3.1, it says, the last days will be perilous times. They will come. Why? Verse 2, because men will be lovers of themselves, will be more selfish than will be denying self. They will love themselves into the women's bathroom. They will love themselves into same-sex marriage. They will love themselves into, oh, but that's not right. We should have uh, an iman, the Islamic order, come into our Christian temples and pray. Why are you so mean? Why, why are you keeping them from doing that? Uh, they, they're entitled to pray. Let them pray wherever you want. Uh, but leave the house of God alone. Leave, the, leave the, the gathering of God's people. Now watch this. Um, the expression of men that love themselves is to put money as their first charge and in interest. Men that are selfish don't come to church and 90% of them will tell you, I'm not going to give money to that place. So their incentive not to make an exchange, receiving what God has for them, to receive what God has to, uh, what they, whether they bow down and say, like my, in my case, that I've received, when I was a, an illiterate, rebellious, disobedient, I received his good so I could be an obedient son, so I could be a faithful husband. I, I receive all that he's made of me. He owns me. He owns me because he, he, it was an exchange. I gave him all the garbage and he gave me all the glory. And in that exchange, I owe a debt, a debt of love. I need to serve Jesus Christ all the days of my life. I need to honor the king of glory. I need, he's the Lord of Lord. He's the king of kings. So, but men in the last days will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, unthankful, unholy, disobedient. And so this expression of man is what God created uh, man to govern the earth, to, to guard the earth, to um, ground, to guide. This is man. He entrusted man with his creation. And man has, has kidnapped God's assignment. So I just want to suggest today, and you might be curious why we're talking about men, if the actual title of this sermon is world-changing women. Because since the beginning, God said, I'm not going to be able to do with man what I want to do or what I plan to do unless I give him something called the perfect helper. And that perfect helper will align him with the heart of God. And the perfect helper will encourage him to do the will of God. And the perfect helper will be a catalyst and a stimulus that will encourage man to honor God above all things. This, this incredible, we say this everywhere we go. Ready for this? A man is a single engine Cessna. A woman is the Starship Enterprise. She boldly goes where no man has gone before. She's able to. God has fashioned her marvelously. Outdoes man every time. I tell people wherever I go, Yvette far surpasses in exceeding abundant measure. Anything I could do. I just look over to her and she's like, where, what do you want? Where do you want it? When do you want it? 
I got it. It's filed away. It's receipts. It's, it's, it's contact numbers. It's wisdom. She, if you let her, she'll tell me what to do all day long. She's a godly woman. She only comes in when, when I come over and say, you know, I'm struggling here. I'm lost. I don't want to stop. And she's like, stop and ask for directions. I don't want to. But God has given us woman. Not to be a hindrance and a stumbling block and a wayward witch. I love that word. Not to be rebellious, but to partner with God so that man might fulfill the high call of God. Woo! The largest demographic presently of people that are leaving the church. It's not teenage kids. It's not boys. It's not women. The number one demographic and statistic of men that are leaving the church are adult males. Adult men. They don't want the challenge to be said, you need to rise up. You need to take responsibility. You need to repent, buddy. Change your ways. You need to stop thinking foolishly. You need to be a steward, an instrument, a messenger of God to your generation. And so if we have wayward men that are not bringing the wisdom of God, and we have men leaving the church, and I would say that many never even arrive at the church. They never even come. They're absent. I I want to just slowly move into this a little bit because... We know man has fallen and has become broken and sinful and selfish and unhealthy, unfit to carry any weight of responsibility. But Jesus comes on the scene and he gives man saving grace. He forgives them. He heals them. He restores them. He, he returns them from a, a conscience of selfishness to a conscience of imitating Christ and become unselfish. So since the, begin, since the beginning of time, The ability of man to take his post depends upon his help and assistance. How? Who can help me take my place? Who can encourage me to move in God's direction? Who can be my companion so that I'm a prince and not a puppet of the devil? So that I'm doing the will of God, so I'm knowing God, so I'm in right relationship with God. That connection is super powerful. So from the beginning, God wanted to give man that responsibility to be a blessing upon the earth. But he came to this conclusion, Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make for him a helper. Say a helper. Not a hellish assistant, but a helper comparable to him that fits him good so that he's able To walk in the direction of God, accomplish the will of God, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Not only physically, but spiritually, responsibility. Um, You know, divine appointments are powerful. And and if I were to write a book about the divine appointments I've had, people would say, you're a liar. You did not run and you did not have this conversation. You did not talk to But God is so, like this thing with Rick Warren and his pastor for men's ministry Like yesterday was like... They're like, man, you would have to fly to California, ask for an appointment, not get one, and maybe talk to him five minutes and maybe to his secretary, but not him. How does God make divine appointments? 
How does he network men upon the earth to fulfill his will? It's, it's, it's impressive. So we were in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I got to talk to a billionaire. You don't go to Little Rock never in your life. I mean, we know Hillary and Bill Clinton are from Little Rock. We went to the presidential library. We saw that. But, but God had in his design a moment of time where I was sitting having breakfast with one of the wealthiest men in Little Rock, Arkansas. His name is Scott Ford. He sold his company for $27 billion to Verizon. That's a lot of money. So he sits in front of us and he says, look, my, for 25 years I've had a personal assistant. His name is Jeff Fox. And Jeff Fox is his wisdom, his co-pilot. And he tells Scott Ford, he told us this story. He says, he says, you know, my partner, my assistant, Scott Ford, uh, uh, no, Fox, Jeff Fox. Jeff Fox says, we were driving downtown and we saw a homeless guy on the bench. The guy was on the sidewalk, a homeless guy. And he turns to Scott Ford, the billionaire, and he says, you know the difference between that man and you? And he's like, there, there is, I mean, there's a huge difference. He goes, no, 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 listen, the difference between you, Scott Ford, a billionaire, and that man, a homeless man, is me. You're number two. Because when somebody has a good number two, they could get where they need to be. That blew me away. He was telling them, you're a dimwit, and I'm the reason you're so prosperous. And that is God's game plan since the beginning of creation with woman. To be able to put her man in the, in the demographic and geographic GPS positioning of the glory of the kingdom of God in this earth if she walks in wisdom. But a foolish woman will destroy her man. Say amen, women. Come on. There are godly women in this place. There's godly women in this place. A foolish woman will drive man out of the will of God. Will discourage him. She will be the one saying, oh, I can't go to church, man, because they're going to take our money. I want to go spend it at Burdines or Macy's or God knows what. It's insane. Listen, if man is going to get to the place where God has destined him, he needs to have a good number two. Somebody who understands God's design, who has the wisdom of God filled with the Spirit of God, with words of kindness that come out of her mouth, not cursing. Some women open their mouth and bats fly out. All they got is toxic. They know how to ruin relationships. They know how to ruin the church. They know how to ruin their marriage and their families. They castrate their sons. They destroy their daughter-in-laws. 1 Corinthians 11.9 says like this. Indeed, man was not created for woman's sake, but a woman was created because man needed him. It was not man created to follow the woman into God knows where oblivion, but the woman created for man to give him a sound mind of, hey, buddy, you're going to stand before God one day, and you're going to have to give an account for me, for my children, our family, the church that you don't go to, that you never show up, that you know nothing about, the Bible you don't read, and you're going to destine us to hell eternally. 
And so as we consider these things, and we're only considering them, we approach Proverbs 31, 23, where it says that, that a woman who is godly and virtuously, she's virtuous, she has her man sitting. Proverbs 31, 23, please. She has her man, her husband is known when he sits at the gates and when he, he's deciding matters that are of huge significance. He's a part of God's game plan. He's one of God's generals. He's up front. He's faithful. He's there. Why? Because he has somebody next to him that is, is reminding him, encouraging him, being able to connect him relationally. Men are, men are a disconnect. Do you guys know that men grunt? Mm. Mm, mm, mm. And a woman is like, yabby, yabby. And, and she's able to connect. She's able to ground. She's able to relationally do her thing. When her husband sits, listen, the biggest travesty we have in modern day society are, are women that destroy men. Have you, has, has anybody seen what Bruce Jenner looks like lately? That's an abomination. That's twisted distortion. It's called an aberration, which means a distorted image. The guy looks more like a woman right now, an Olympic champion, a prince in the United States with a witch, a couple of witches there, house of witches, rebellious women who are not connected to God, who do not know how to do anything but to destroy man. When he sits amongst the elders of the land, you know, as a consequence of her efforts of having him sit at the city gates, the Bible says there in Proverbs 31 that she has a reward uh, with regards to her efforts there in verse 31, Proverbs 31, 31. At the end of her efforts, at the end of her lifetime, at the end of all her energies and her forces and her encouragement, give her the fruit, the reward of her hands. Let her own works praise her in the gates. See, everything that woman is looking for that the devil says, you come with me and forget God's agenda and I'll blow you up and I'll make you this, I'll, I'll make you this incredibly wonderful expression of, of, of notoriety and gain, even though you'll walk and trample the lineage of your children because they would have never seen a godly woman. And, but it says here, give her the fruit of her hands and let her praise, let her own works praise her in the gates. The end result in the fruit of a godly woman is that she's greatly influential. She's greatly uh, praised. She's giving accolades and rewards that, that are long. I'll tell you something, that it doesn't matter where Yvette goes and the nations I have gone. And for sometimes we were going to Peru for five years, she had never gone. And when she showed up, everybody stood up and started clapping. They knew a godly woman. They said, we appreciate how you have helped your husband bless us. It was, it was incredible. It was incredible. And the first question they ask me wherever I go anyways is, where's your wife? Because a wife becomes the seal of approval that you're a legit guy. They want to see the countenance. In Ecuador, for five years, we were going, and, and the pastor's wife over there says, I'm dying to see this guy's wife. She must look like a hellish rat from hell because of his intensity. And when she saw Yvette, she says, I want to be like her. 
I want that peace. I want that joy. I want that virtue. I want that wisdom. I want, I want to be able to. When I got back from my busy trip, I told Yvette, I'm going to wake up tomorrow at 5. I'm going to go to West Palm Beach. I was hoping she wouldn't say, I want to be with you. Because if that would have been the manipulation or the encouragement or the influence, we would have missed Kenny Luck and everything God wanted to do. We would have missed God's agenda and his table that was set for us from the beginnings of the foundations of the earth. It's a blessing to have a woman who's connected to the Lord. 2 Timothy 2.15, God says this, Every man is to present himself before God as a approved, 2 Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to present, present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed because you're rightly living truth. Well, if this is what God wants to do, that every man stand before God, not ashamed, and ready to receive God, I want to ask the women here, what are you doing to make that a reality in your husband? Are you dragging your feet? Are you a discouragement? Are you a rebel? Are you rebellious? Some men will not show up to a gathering embarrassed by the fact that their wife is going to embarrass them. Since I can't rail in my wife and rein her in and calm her down, and she's, I won't even show up. Because I would be embarrassed as a man to show up. And when I say, no, we'll have tea. I wanted coffee. I can't believe you didn't order coffee. Uh, we'll sit over there. No, I want to sit. And it's just a constant barrage, a nightmare. A person unable to, to adorn herself with the garments of beauty. And so it's, it's there where we find verses like this. Um, Proverbs 12.4, it says that a virtuous woman becomes like a crown on the head of her husband. It gives him a place to, to have a rightful direction and lead. An excellent wife establishes the proper nobility and dignity of a man's life. But a one who causes him shame is continual rottenness in the deepest place of his existence. I want to tell you something. Why some men don't come to church. Ready? They've left the last three churches because their wives have picked fights with everybody. So he says, look, you go and do that thing you do, the brouhaha. You do your witchcraft, and I won't follow you there, so I won't be embarrassed that we cannot fit anywhere because you continue to be a witch. I can't, I can't control you. The church can't control you. Life cannot control you. You're just destined to hell. And so that becomes the issue. An excellent wife gives her husband the manner to participate amongst the city gates with the elders having authority. And, and it's a, I praise God for this morning so that we could present ourselves as men that are not need to be ashamed. Men who could present themselves approved in the order of their call. Isaiah chapter 3, uh, verse 1, it says that God withholds from Jerusalem all supply of wisdom. He's not going to down... He's not going to put in the downline of the church. Uh, behold, the Lord of hosts takes away from Jerusalem, his city, and Judah, all the stock and store, a supply of water and food and bread. The mighty man, verse 2, the man of war, the prophet, the, you know, the, the giftings of God that's in your man to bless the earth with the wisdom of the Lord and with his ability and his talents and his formative character and he says I'm going to stop all this and the issue is here uh, you ask yourself why would God withdraw all this 
And it's there in verse 6. He says, when a man takes his brother and says, why don't you, in the house of his father and his family, saying, you have, you have provision that, that is good for this house. You have provision to be able to prosper. And so take, take the burden. You be our leader. Take everything that's ruined under your responsibility. You be a blessing. People say all the time, Pastor, you should have somebody at the front door saying hi to people as they come in. I said, you do it. No, I, I can't commit to that. Pastor, we should have like, like TV on cable. You're the one that knows how people, we should edit. And you're the one that's gifted for that. And so all the talents and giftings and treasures God wants to be upon the earth so that this message gets out. The people that are here that have the way wherewithal to do it are absent, non-existence. Don't show up. Let these ruins be under your responsibility. Verse 7. You know what he says? He says this. Ready? In that day he will protest saying, I cannot cure ills for you for in my house there's neither food nor clothing. Do not make me a leader amongst your people. In other words, he's saying, I have such a big issue at home. I have issues at home that don't allow me to serve God, that don't allow me to know God, that don't allow me to move in God's plan for our family's life. And I would like to suggest that these problems need to have come from a woman who believes herself to be needy. The devil has made her have a constant pull of what I need for me that doesn't allow the man to show up on Monday nights to his men's meeting. That doesn't allow the men. She scheduled him to go to a theater on the day he's being prepared to be a prince. She's not allowing him to be able to move with God because her agenda is somewhere else. Her agenda is someone else. Her priority is another priority. So he has to say, I have too many problems at home for me to come out. I want to come and attack the lie of the devil in the hearts of women to say you're needy because you're not. You are God's answer you are God's provision you are God's source and not somebody pulling hard so needy that you thwart your assignment before God to propel your man into God's purpose which is actually your inheritance your prestige a king used to call his wife out when he conquered nations when he went and did great big things he would say honey come out because I want everyone to know where the source of my inspiration is where my strength is. When I want to quit, throw the towel, and, and run out of dodge, I have a woman next to me who's connected to the Lord, who's encouraging me, who, who cries when I cry, who laughs when I laugh, who, who's my refreshing to continue to serve God and to love him with all my heart. So here, this man is stuck. And so at the end of the day, when the man is not rising up to do what God has called him to do, he says in verse 12, so therefore... My people, it will be children. My, pe my children are the oppressors and the women rule over them. My people who lead you, cause you to err and destroy the path of your, uh, of your way. Uh, when we have this thing upside down, when we're lost in this thing, when we're, we're, we don't have wisdom, we just, we're just driving off a cliff. And we're not to do that. In Ezekiel, no, I'm sorry, Jeremiah, we see this scene which is disgusting. Um, Let's read it, Jeremiah 7, 18. And God is saying that everything is twisted in his people. They're not achieving their purposes. And when he, he says, I want you to look closely what's going on. And when the, the, the camera comes and zooms in on the problem, we see the children gathering wood and the husbands starting fires to worship other gods, other priorities, other 
bowing down before other interests. How could a woman do that? People are looking at the walls. Hey, it's great. Can a woman divert the priority of a man's interest to another assignment that is disconnected from God's assignment? Having been given to man to propel him to the bullseye, she is off into left field doing things that are totally inconsistent with God. Burning fires, starting fires and gathering wood, her sons and her husband to the queen of heaven, not to God. They pour out drink offerings to other gods that they make. Pro God says, listen to me. I need godly women. I need women to really forget about it. Listen to me. If you come here this morning, you say, okay, let's split this pie. The pastor was bad on women today. No, no, listen to me. I'm good on God. I'm trying to get you to understand because the worst thing there is in the world is for you to be a woman and for you to present yourself before God and, and your man never got connected. And then when God sees all the influence you purported on him, he was, he was carrying wood and starting fires to, to all your credit cards and all your friends and all your bridal showers. No offense, Daniela. Um, just because it's on my mind. But watch this. Listen to me. You are influencing the heart of your man to honor his God. Priority number one. He needs to be here 8 o'clock Monday night because he has preparation for his assignment. And it's not to work hours on end. Pastor, I couldn't make it because I was making $100 more. God has made you a prince and you're making $100 more? My friend, make $100 less. Don't let nobody steal your inheritance. Ask your wife to pray for you. That you might be a, a king in the earth. King maker last week. These women have their men... Offering energy, sacrifice, moving. Listen what a woman's able to do. John chapter 4. God touched, uh, touched the heart of a world-changing woman. Says, take your eyes off what you think. Put your eyes on what I think. And watch the influential force. John chapter 4. And in verse, um, John 4, verse 38, 39. No, I'm sorry. Let's back up a little bit. John 4, 8. We'll start there. i got to get going. And the woman left her water. Uh, John 4. Did I say 8? 28. John 4, 28. The woman, after finding Jesus and having this exchange with her, left her water pot. She wasn't even, she wasn't even concerned anymore about her primary agenda, which was to thirst and to have water. She left her water, went to the city, and said to the men, I have gotten connected with a guy who's finally told me my assignment. Come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. And when she finishes talking to that man, the Bible says that, that all the men of the city, verse 30, says all then they went out of the city and came to him. One woman cleared out the entire city to come and, and meet Jesus. Who are you introducing your friends to? Who are you being the, the, the Wonder Woman expression of, of Avon and Tupperware and, and Mary Kay and all the wonderful things you're able to connect and do marvelous things and the greatest single thing you decided to turn your heart on? Get busy about other affairs. You've lost your assignment. You've lost your ability. Your influence is, is greater in hell than it is heaven.
And so the Bible says about these men in verse 39, that as a result of that woman's influence, they went out, 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in Jesus because of the word of the woman who testified. And he said, he told me, because of her influence, she had prepared a prince that's able to go not to the market and make $50 more to the stock market and make a return and to become a billionaire and become whatever. She has made now a man who's able to go to nations and be an ambassador for Christ, to be a prince upon the earth. Some of you have done that. We have grandmothers in this place who the mom has decided to go out. And she says, I'll take the responsibility to make sure my grandsons become world changers. They will be men who will know their God, they will serve him, and they will be princes upon the earth because of their influence. Because they're not, they're not buying some catalog to some mall and some magazine to promote more fashion that fades. I want to encourage you this morning. I, I believe this to be a powerful word. Genesis 19.26, the Bible says, As they were fleeing the city of Sodom that was being destroyed by judgments, the wife of Lot turned around, and she looked back at where she had all her investments, and she perished in that affection with the things upon this earth. Her two daughters didn't have a husband. They didn't know how to be a wife. They slept with their father, and you know the story. They became Abnom and uh, Moab, two tribes that were far from God, filled with shame and embarrassment because of a lack of a godly, world-changing woman. Let's stand this morning, and we have our second service starting. I want to encourage you that if you want to be one of those women, I'm here to help perfect your man, but I can't go pick him up, or I would. I cannot encourage him that that's a priority to our home. One of the women here at our church, her husband says, listen, I'm about to sell everything I'm doing to go and become a serious man of God, because I can't serve two masters. I'm about to leave my high salary to make God a priority to become the man of God he destined me to be. What do you think? And so some women will start shaking and thinking, that's all, folks. But this woman says, I married you for nothing less. I didn't ask you for a Mercedes Benz or a Rolls Royce or to live in a mansion. I asked you that our family would serve the true and living God. That's my priority. And so we see in Matthew 25, when Jesus returns, there's 10 virgins, and they all fall asleep. You don't have to go to men's meeting tonight. Oh, Lord, don't go to church because that would be too manly. You're tired. You've worked hard. Don't, don't go over there because they're going to bust your chops. Listen for this. They had no oil in their lamps. For years, I asked God, God, what is oil in the lamp? What is missing in the lives of your church, men? When you come and return for the families, it says they all fell asleep, Matthew 25, and, and, and the Lord showed me Psalm 141.5. What is the oil in the lamp? Some people have said it's the Holy Spirit. I want to think it's men who have received some provision of God. It says, let the righteous strike me. Let, it'll be kindness. Let him rebuke me. It will be as excellent oil. The oil in the lamp is a man who has somebody who's able to line him up with his godly assignment. So he won't be ashamed. When Jesus shows up, he'll say, what you told me to do, I'm doing. What my wife encouraged me to do, she stopped being a witch. Now she's a virtuous woman. She understands God. She understands her assignment. She's not on the earth to fool around temporarily, to be in vanity and lost. Let my head not refuse it. For still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. I don't want to live like an ungodly man. 
I don't want to have an ungodly man's priorities. I don't want to be lost in an ungodly man's world. I want to be a light in darkness. I want to be a column of truth in my generation. I want to know that when my wife gets to heaven, she's going to hear these words, well done, thou good and faithful servant of the Lord. Father, thank you this morning for revealing your truth and your goodness to our hearts today. Thank you for last week you began with Yvette's message, and now you conclude today with the seal of excellence for those who have hunger and thirst for righteousness. Allow your spirit to convict the hearts of the women here to rearrange their schedules, to rearrange their finances, their agenda, their thoughts, their goals and dreams, so that they can become that which you ordained them to be, a perfect helper, a help suitable to make a man faithful to the God he worships. We repent this morning. We ask your forgiveness. We ask Jesus Christ to cover us with the blood. We know that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, Lord. But you continue to encourage us through your spirit. You continue to pour out from heaven, giving us your wisdom so that we might be a blessing in our lifetime, in the church, through our lives, as we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We bless every woman in this house and every woman that will hear this message, that they could pass it down to their daughters and to their grandchildren so that they might have godly legacy of blessing for a thousand years. We give you thanks, we glorify you, and bless you in the house of God. And all people of God say amen. amen. God bless you. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.